up in a couple different places, and I want to just kind of preface the message tonight by saying something that's been on my heart uh, since he asked me. I was in Rhode Island whenever Brother Steve asked me if we would come tonight and finish up this uh, New Year's revival for you, and uh, Brother Steve, I'm honored to be back. The last time I was here, this was a metal frame. It was a shell, had, didn't have any siding, and I preached over at the little white church on the other side of the road. And uh, you couldn't put this crowd in there now. That shows the exponential growth that has taken place here uh, on Indian Hill Road. And I went down the other road. I would have been in your prayer room, Brother Steve. But when I come there by the school, I kept going. And we ended up off over in here somewhere. And my wife said, I don't think we're, uh, we should have come this far. But anyway, we backtracked and came back up and back around. But I would have been here. But the thing is, it looks different in the dark. And I've not been here, I guess, in how many years is that? Three or four years ago. It's been a while since I've been with you folks. But anyway, if you don't know me, you've not missed much. But if you don't know my Savior, you will miss the greatest friend that you'll ever know. Now, to say that I'm going to preface this, um, you've got a great work here. I've watched each night. I saw Brother Blaylock, and then I watched Brother Cox. And man, what a wonderful service you've had. And uh, him preaching last night about getting through the crisis and what to do when they're in the hard times. I want to say this to you. Uh, the wolf will come. And I'm just letting you know, whether you realize it yet or not, you've got a great work. But what happens over a period of time, the Lord led me, and I've got Brother Luke and Miss Megan. I love y'all to pieces. And I, there may be others that know us. I'm in a great work. I inherited a great work uh, from the great Brother Feldman Cheek. Uh, and he administered at Calvary Baptist in North Wilkesboro for almost 40 years. And then I've been there almost 15 myself, but I inherited a great work. And I've tried my best to keep the wolves at bay. But as it is, the animal trainers of Barnum and Bailey, the animal trainers at the North Carolina Zoo in Ashboro, to keep the animals at bay, they make sure the animals have a, a fear of them, the trainers. They'll take that whip and they'll pop that whip to keep that lion, that leopard, that tiger, they'll keep that thing at bay and they'll keep it out there at, at length of the whip. And they'll keep that thing out there with a healthy fear. But what happens over time, the animals get used to the trainer. You say, what in the world are you talking about? It's okay, just bear with me. What happens over a period of time is the animals get used to the trainer. And they know that he's not going to use the whip. He's just there to snap it to keep them in a constant state of fear. My friend, you need to keep Satan at bay. But whenever you get used to Satan coming around... The next thing you know, you will have a Trojan horse that will be rolled right down the center and then you're going to have a problem within your church house. You may not have seen that just yet and maybe it won't come. Maybe it won't come during your ministry or during your lifetime, but I, I'm just going to preface this and we're going to, I don't know if you put it up there. Uh, put, go ahead and put the title up there, young man. I, I want to preach this tonight. What are you addicted to? What is your addiction? And I want to go there in just a moment, but I want to take a page from the Farmer's Almanac. In the book of 2 Samuel, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not asking you to turn there, just listen to me for just a moment, because like I said, I'm getting somewhere to get us to where we want to be in a moment. A farmer will not go out and plow the fields and till the soil. After it's lain dormant and it's hard and it's fallow, he won't go out and work that soil and then weed the soil, gas the plant beds, plant the seeds, plant the, the bedding plants. 
except that he expects that there's going to be a harvest. The Bible said that Paul planted Paulus water, but it was God that gave the increase. So I'm thinking about this pastor scripture, and I'm going to go to where we're going to go in just a moment. But there was a man by the name of Shammah, and he's in the 23rd chapter of the second Samuel, and there's three verses. It's in that story about Samuel's mighty men. And I know Brother Pope's got some mighty men. I don't know. I can't come back and put my finger on a Rodney Tomlin or a, a Ricky Thomas or on this one or that one. Maybe it's a Brother Brandon, but he's got some mighty men. These are the men that he knows uh, that he can go to. No matter what, you're going to be there and you're going to help him. Well, we see Adino and we see uh, Eleazar and we see these men, how that they took the, uh, the spear or they took the, the sword and they slay many. But the Bible said in this passage that the Philistines had fell upon them, but there was one man by the name of Shammah and that he stood in the middle of the lentils. If you don't know what lentils are, they could be peas or they could be beans. So tonight this message could have been entitled the battle of the beans or to, it could have been to fight for your pea patch. I'm always saying that to say this, you have got a great thing here. You have got, I'm, I'm telling you, it's wonderful. It is. It, it, it's unusual in this day to see this strong of a church on a little rural country road that was birthed out of that little church on the other side of the road. But when you move from there to here, there better be somebody that's willing to take a stand. I'm going to read two verses, and I want you to find your places in the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, chapter number 16. But I want to read this. The Bible said, and he arose and he smote the Philistines. This is speaking about uh, Dodo the Ahoite. And it said that he arose and he smote the Philistines until his hands were weary, and that his hand clay unto the sword and the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to spoil. And then it said, and after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Hararite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where a piece of ground full of lentils and the people fled from them, from the Philistines. But listen to this, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. And he slew the Philistines. It does not say that Shema won the battle. It does not say that Shema wrought the victory. The Bible said that he stood in the midst of the pea patch and he defended it. And the Bible said that the Lord wrought a great victory there. Now you say, what is all about preacher? The Bible said that that field was full of lentils. I know that this man back here with a degree in agri-science can walk out over a 40-acre uh, soybean field or a cornfield uh, and he can do the math in his head. He does not need a tabulator to be able to say that if corn is bringing this amount of money per bushel and that field is a 40-acre field uh, and the yield should be this, this man knows what that field will yield per bushel and per uh, by, by the acre and he would be able to tell you. But the Bible said that that field was full of people and that the field was full of lentils. You say, what's that all about, preacher? This is where I'm getting to to take us to where I want to be in the book of 1 Corinthians. It was the time of harvest. 
Oh, he's not troubling Calvary Baptist Church when the soil is just being tilled. Satan's not coming over here when the seed are yet still in the barn. Satan's not bothering you whenever that stuff's going on. But the closer you get to the harvest, you said, what is the harvest? The harvest is what we have seen at Calvary. We watched in the last couple months, five souls come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. But Brother Steve, we have fought a battle. We have fought hell by the acre and we have had things to come up uh, that we didn't anticipate. And what happens is this, uh, the lion tamer, the, the one that was the shepherd of the sheep, the under shepherd of the sheep, uh, <coughs> he, he misunderstood his adversary and, and they knew the adversary knows that the popping of the whip is not going to hurt them. And just as soon as the lion tamer turns his back on the, uh, the lion, maybe he's over here getting some food. Maybe he's over here adjusting the water. But anyway, when he turns his back, uh, when he is distracted by something else, that vicious animal will attack the tamer. He will turn on the tamer. You say, what's that all about? It comes at harvest time. The Bible said that the field was full of lentils. And the Bible said that everybody else fled. They all fled. Everybody fled. But there was one man. And that's what I'm challenging you tonight. To be that one man that will stand in the middle of the pea patch and fight for it. You said you're going to preach the pea patch. But we're going here. This is where I want you to stand. This is where I want you to give reverence to the reading of God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. Are we all right tonight? Stand to your feet. If you will, to give reverence to reading God's word, I'm going to go get my water. She knew it. Look at her. She's reading my mind like a book. The good thing about being married 36 years, how long have you been married, honey? 37 years. Oh, bless you. <laughs> 37. How I'm long have sorry. you been married? No, 27. You said 37. Where's your husband? Oh, it's a good thing he's not here. She said, this marriage is aging me. <laughs> she said 37. It was actually 27. When you've been married as long as we have, and Brother Steve, you and Miss Tammy can tell that you don't even have to talk anymore. You can just think it. And she knows what you're thinking. I know that whenever you're going down the road, Brother Steve, and, and there's a, a, the Krispy Kreme light, the hot and now lights on, that car is pulling in. You don't even have to talk about it. It's, it's going to start veering to the right. Y'all think I'm crazy. You will think I'm crazy whenever I preach this message. What is your addiction? What are you addicted to? Brother Chase, I sit there and I listen to your story. And you use the word addiction a couple times. We have not talked about what the Lord had put upon my heart. But I have in my life gone through periods of abuse and I've seen things in my troubled young life before salvation and coming on through my teen years uh, that troubled my soul. And my heart breaks for people. I, I, since being in ministry, I have watched uh, uh, one of our young uh, teenagers lose her mother to addiction. It was prescribed not bought in a back room, not bought in a side street, not bought somewhere. It was prescribed. My friend, you're a doctor, and if you go to enough doctors, and if they're not conferring one with another, they can make you become addicted to some substance. 
But you say, preacher, don't come down here and beat us up over that. That's not what I'm talking about. I want somebody down here tonight. I want somebody in here tonight to get addicted. You say, whoa, you're talking about addiction, but you're telling, anybody seen that show, My Strange Addiction? Raise your hand. Don't be afraid to raise your hand. You know you've seen it. I've got hands back yonder. The rest of them have seen it, but they won't tell you they've seen it. That's the show, My Strange Addiction. Have you ever seen a preacher? These people eat dirt. These people eat, there's one that eats a roll of toilet paper every day. There's one that, this, this one, are you pointing to her because she's seen it or she eats the toilet paper? I hope that it's the, the still on the roll kind. I don't want you to be eating the other part. But these, these people, they do, they, this one eats the foam out of the cushions in her couch. One has eat her hair since she was, had hair. And maybe that's what's wrong with me and Brother Ricky. I don't know what's going on, but or me and Brother Rodney. But let me tell you, there's these, my strange addiction. This one girl uh, has run around on all fours for all of her life. She runs around like a horse. And the show is called My Strange Addiction. Maybe you in here tonight have some strange addiction that nobody in here knows about. <clears throat> maybe nobody here is eating couch cushions and all of this, but just read along with me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. Y'all will never have me back, preacher. The Bible says in verse number 14, let all, thing, all your things be done with charity. What is charity rightly interpreted? Love. Whatever you do here, at the Grove, or whatever you call this place, this is Union Grove down at the Grove. Whatever y'all do here, do it in love. If you send Brother Chase other out to South Africa, if you put this man and his dear wife on a plane and you help to make it affordable to them to get there, bless God, when they get there, don't stop praying for them. Don't send them halfway across the water to abandon them. Whatever you do, do it in love. The Bible then says in verse number 15, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus that is the first fruits of Achaia. That they have, listen at this word, addicted. Do you see that? It's the only time that is in your King James Bible. It said that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And that ye submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortuitous and Achaeus for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours therefore acknowledged ye them that are such. You can go ahead and be seated. So let me just say tonight that I want somebody tonight to get addicted to what's going on right here on the side of the road. I want somebody <coughs> being an Ethan Moore in a Miss Heaven, being a brother Justin that's out there but comes back here. I want somebody to get so plugged in here that you actually feel like you have an addiction. But you know what an addiction is, and I, I just wrote the definition down so that somebody would understand. And you say, well, how does that tie in? Shema was addicted to ministry. When the Philistines had came and everybody's fleeing, Shema said, not me. I have worked too hard. I have sowed that soil. I have labored over that soil. I planted those peas. I have worked in those beans. I have taken care of that barley. And I'm not gonna let somebody else come in here 
and destroy what my hands have been uh, put to. It's not going to happen. When everybody else fled, there was only one man by the name of Shema, and he said, not today, old devil. You're not going to get my pea patch. And he stood the ground, and the Lord wrought a great work there. An addiction. An addiction is a compulsive, chronic, physiological, psychological, physical, habit-forming, substance, behavior, or activity. A proclivity to strong inclination to do something. You say, what is that about? When there is a strong inclination to do something, you know what that says, dear lady? That means when the lights are on over here, God, it doesn't matter if they're having a construction day, a building day, a cleanup day, a visitation day, or whatever the day is, you are so compelled, you have that compulsion to get involved in what's going on over here. Many people today have formed all manners of addiction. We probably, with my mindset tonight, we probably have smokers in the building. I am not here to beat up you smokers, okay? The Surgeon General determined that it's bad for your health. You said, well, I'll just let God take me out of here with one in my hand. Maybe he will grant you that wish someday. But I'm telling you, I'm not here to beat you up over cigarette smoking, tobacco product, against alcohol, or any of the other addictions, pornography or anything else that somebody might be addicted to tonight. I'm not here to preach against sin on that manner. I want you to get addicted to ministry. Now, if you get saved, you will get addicted to ministry. You will leave off that helping of whatever the, that is illicit or lewd or lascivious or whatever, and then you will cleave unto that which is good. You will seek that which is right and holy and refuse that which is profane. You will do that. Smoking, drugs, alcohol, vaping, eating. (laughs) Gambling. Some of you won't start the work week except that you have checked your horoscope, checked your astrological signs out, except that you have stopped at the quickie mart over here and got a lottery ticket to see if you have to go to work because if you hit the big pick six or whatever, you're not going over there because you've just hit it. And you have an addiction. You can't help it. You said, I can't help it. God can help you to help it. This evening, I just want to ask you a simple question. What is your addiction? All addictions are not bad. The Bible said that whenever the foolish decrees were made and Daniel was told that, Daniel, you're not going to pray anymore. You're not going to do this anymore, Daniel. What did Daniel do, Brother Steve? The Bible said he went into his chambers. And there's one word in there that lets you know that Daniel is not making a blatant uh, disregard of the law or uh, he's he's not being in your face toward the foolish decree. He's not being that. The Bible just said that he did as he had aforetime. He did what he'd always done. Why? Because he had an addiction to God. And there was a time that he wanted to talk to God. And at that appointed time, he went to God in prayer. And that's what he did. He was addicted to ministry. Many people tonight can be addicted to many different things. One of the key things of addiction is the ability to, for you to support that addiction. A smoker that can't afford six bucks a pack shouldn't be smoking. Am I telling it right? 
A person that has that type of addiction that that can't afford to support. A person that's got a cocaine habit, Brother Luke, uh, they can't afford to keep up their heroin addiction, their fentanyl, or whatever their their addiction is. So what happens is whenever they can no longer afford that fix because monetary problems prohibit them from being a part of that addiction now, you know what they do? They have to find other ways to support it. And that's why you now start getting the petty theft. That's why your catalytic converter ends up going on your work truck. That's how you park your tools out there that you're working. And you got a weed eater and a leaf blower and a chainsaw and all these things over here. And you just run into the big Burger King over here. And you come back out. And now your leaf blower's down at the pawn shop. And your chainsaw can't be found. Somebody has took that to feed their addiction. He said, so what, how does this work? A person that is addicted to ministry, you said there's going to have to be some funds. Wait, does God own it all? Does our father not own it all? Can he get that boy to South Africa? Can he get him over there and sustain him while he is there? Can he take care of Brother Bushy inside the prisons? Uh, Can he not do that? Can he not take care of Calvary? Can he not finish the work back there? I'm telling you, there's a work going on right here, but what's going to happen? There's going to be some Philistines encamped about. There's going to be some people that will be the naysayers and the no, no, no. But bless God, if God gives this man the green light, you need to go with God. You need to go with God. Get plugged into what's going on. A person that's addicted to illicit drugs, they find themselves committing other acts of uh, sin and other acts of depravity to support that addiction. But there is a telltale sign of things that happen that will show up concerning the addiction. When you get saved, you're going to change your substance. You'll leave the alcohol, you'll leave the drugs. Yeah, but they were prescribed by my doctor. I don't care if they were prescribed by a team of doctors and I don't care if they came from the Mayo Clinic. If God said that you don't need that, bless God, you don't need that. I've got a dear pastor friend of mine that broke his hand. He is a carpenter by trade and he broke his wrist and he found himself becoming addicted to Percocet and those pain pills. And he said that he started thinking, I've got to have those things. I've got to have those things. And he took those things. He popped the top off of it and he flushed them down the toilet. And he said, if I can't do it with Advil or Motrin or Tylenol, I'm not going to do it at all. I'll just bear with the pain because he said they were making me go out of my head. He's a pastor. He's a wise pastor. But that person that gets addicted to ministry will change their substance. You know what they want now, Brother Steve? They want more grace. The Bible said that he gives, you said, can a man get more grace? The Bible uses that term that he giveth more grace to the humble. That's God, if we swallow our hungry pride and our egotistical self and get out of the way and desire more of this music and desire more of this worship and desire more of his preaching and desire more of what God's got, my friend, you just might find out that you're addicted. You might just find out that a good healthy dose of Jesus Christ was all you needed all along. If, if you are not saved tonight, this is not a salvation message per se. It's more of an encouragement to the church to get involved in what's going on here. 
But my friend, if you've got an addiction that you can't shake, you can't overcome it, it's got you in its stronghold, it's got you bound, and you can't get out of that grip. But it's got, come up here and get it fixed. Get it fixed. God will fix it for you. I promise. He would have said he that he would come to him, he would have no wise cast them out. Here's some things that happen. Habits change. Amen? The man that is a habitual offender of any kind of an illicit drug or alcohol or drink or whatever, he is addicted to that. But my friend, uh, the the one that gets addicted to ministry, his habits are going to change. He's going to find out that he wants to be down here. And he's now coming to Brother Brandon and saying, hey, choir leader, can I get up there? And the next thing you know, they're back there at the nursery saying, hey, I just got saved by God's grace. I know that I don't have a baby, but can I volunteer back there one service? I know you've been back there weekend after week after week wouldn't you like to be out there and get in on a little worship can I just get in there that you can come out here your habits are going to change an addict has habits an addict is habitual in what they do if you got addicted to ministry, as it said here, I beseech you therefore, brethren, uh, that, that you know the house of Stephanus and that it is the first fruits of Achaia and that they have addicted themselves uh, to the ministry of the saints. They just got a bad case and they can't help it. That's what happened to Miss Megan last night. Whenever she just started praising God, I was sitting there and I said, Brother Steve just called her Megan and then the camera panned over there and I said, Praise the Lord. I did. I said, well, praise the Lord. Brother, I got to hear that for years. I did. I got to hear that for years. I asked Brother Luke today. I said, are you folks going to Union Grove? He said, yes, sir. He said, we've been there a couple months. I said, praise the Lord. I'm not jealous over it. I'm thankful that they've got plugged in. And I hope and pray that you get addicted to the ministry down here. Hope it becomes habit forming. When your lights come on at 7, what the, you start at 7, and we start at 7.30. When your lights come on on your car at 6.30, and you're coming up Indian Hill Road, or you're coming down that road, I promise you this. Your neighbors know where you're going. It's Wednesday night. There's no question. Your kids shouldn't have to say, are we going to church tonight? Why should they not have to ask? Because you're addicted to ministry. It's habitual. That's what we do. It's Wednesday. There's going to be a change of habits when you get addicted to ministry. You'll start doing the works of ministry. You'll start checking on the widows to see if their gutters need cleaning out. Oh, wait a minute, that ain't part, I'm not a part of the helps ministry. Well, do you have to be a part of the helps ministry to get in on the helping? I don't think so. I don't think you have to sign up for that. I think you just show up and say, hey, uh, Miss Jones, do you need some firewood brought in? Hey, Miss Jones, do you need, you got some big old potholes out there in your driveway? Can I just bring my box blade down here and scrape those things back out for you, honey? Uh, can I come over here and maybe mow your grass for you? I, I know that's getting just a little bit high. And, and can I just do that for you? Can you do that, Brother Steve? Can I get one of these big old sweeper brooms to come through here? I've noticed a few things. In. Can I just sweep the floor tonight? Can I do this tonight? Can I clean the toilets tonight? Get with her. She's the one that's got the toilet paper. She's shaking her head. You've already ate it. (laughs) Somebody that's got a sign of addiction, they'll not only change their habits, but have you ever seen anybody that's just messed up? They just messed up. I'm not making fun of them. They're messed up. Their face is all pocked up. 
They've got sores. They've got boils. They are, looks like boy. They got craters, and they don't have teeth, and they're in their twenties, but they don't have teeth. It is so sad. I'm not making fun of them. Please don't think that this preacher up here talking about them. Their their appearance is. It says that they are an addict, and they are addicted to something that is killing them. It is destroying them. Go on the internet and do meth addicts before and afters. Promise you. Is that, is that something the tech guys could do back there? No, I don't do that. It's until what will pop up. <laughs> I'm just telling you, go out there and look. Those that get saved by grace, Brother Justin, and they're there, they, they just look uh, really, really old, and they look hurt and, and just broken and defeated. And then you see them after grace steps on the scene. It's entirely different. Why? Their appearance has changed. They got off of that and they got onto this. They come in now and they're cleaned up and they're wearing the suit. They got on the dress and they looked apart. His hair was down on his back, but now it's got his closely cropped up and he looks like a man and she dresses like a woman and she acts like a lady and she is a lady. Why? Because she was saved by God's grace and she's no longer an addict of that that held her. Their appearance will change. Somebody's physical appearance doesn't change after they say that they got saved. I wonder if they got saved. Because the Bible says if any man is, is in Christ Jesus, he becomes what? He's a new creature. He's a new creature, Brother Brandon. You know why pigs don't stink? You said, I thought pigs do stink. Do you know why pigs don't stink? Pigs don't stink to other pigs. Pigs stink to me. They do. But the reason a pig don't think another pig stinks is the same reason a skunk doesn't think another skunk stinks. You're looking at me like you're really confused. <laughs> Honey, a pig don't think another pig stinks. Why? Because they're still a pig. <clears throat> if you get a good dose of Jesus, my God, you're, not only will your habits change, but your uh, addiction to Jesus Christ, it'll change your appearance. Men will start looking like men. Families will start staying together with a two-parent home instead of a one-parent home. Moods will change. Ain't nothing worse. And I was in law enforcement years ago. Don't hold that against me or think anything differently, but ain't nothing worse than a drunk woman. You've been there. <laughs> Man, there's a lot of telling going on tonight. You got to... A lot going on in here tonight, preacher. <laughs> the moods will change. Somebody that is maybe given to that drug or that alcohol or whatever that that is, it's got them down. Some become very talkative. Some get very lethargic. Some don't talk at all. Some are just criers and all they want to do is cry. Do you realize when you get saved by God's grace, you get addicted to ministry your mood's going to change. That's God, you're going to come in here and you'll be like little redhead over here. You'll be so talkative about the grandkids and you'll be talking about little Callie and you'll be talking about everything going on. It's exciting to come to God's house and get down here and get addicted to ministry. The mood changes. The moods change when you get addicted to ministry. You come in here and yesterday you saw somebody you just wanted to smack this taste out of their mouth and then you got along with God and he showed you they weren't so bad after all and you had to come in here and say I love you brother I love you sister 
Addicted to ministry is going to change your mood. You know, one of the greatest, I guess, attributes of a new Christian is that his friends change. Do birds of a feather not kind of flock together? Do those people doing drugs and alcohol and all the lascivious thinking, Brother Brandon, do they like to be around y'all? They don't. They're uncomfortable in here. Y'all like being around each other. Why? Because you are plugged in. You're addicted to ministry. But those that are addicted to that kind of stuff, they kind of run in the same circles. They're down at the lucky break. They're over at the little jumping frog. They're over here. They're, they're billiard. They're at the bloody bucket pool hall. They're wherever they go. And that's who they run with because that's who they're comfortable around. Honey, but when you get saved by God's grace and you get addicted to ministry, you get a whole new set of friends. God starts to put people in your life that will encourage you and that you might feel like I do, like a donkey in the Kentucky Derby to even grace your platform, brother. But God gave me Steve Pope as a friend. I'm addicted to ministry and I'm glad we share a common addiction. Your friends are gonna change when you get addicted to ministry. You run around with some good people, brother Teddy, but uh, brother, I, 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 you said you did that on purpose. You're known with the company you keep. Good company, corrupt bad morals. Good, bad company, corrupt good morals. You know the story. Works both ways. You're known by the company you keep. Iron sharpens iron. So was the countenance of a friend. You remember when Hamden had a friend and he had a friend and he had a friend? You remember that story? His friend said, hey, you want Tamar? Just make yourself sick. Go in there and act like you're sick. The king will not withhold her from you. He had a friend, didn't he? That friend was a terrible friend. Did Job not have friends? Did Job's friends, did he not refer to him as miserable comforters? I'm not saying they were lost, but they weren't helping him in ministry. But when you get plugged in, when you get addicted to ministry, brother Ron, you, your, your friends change. You got, you got a whole bunch of people you didn't even know were your friends. Man, they're up hugging you and hacking. They're giving you their handkerchief to wipe your tears with, and they're just part of you now. I like it. An addicted person's passions change. The things that you were once passionate about, going and shooting eight ball, ever, nine ball, eight ball, nine ball, pool ball, cue ball, whatever that is. You don't enjoy that stuff anymore. I'm not saying I have nothing against sports. I really don't. But why is every major sport on a Sunday? Why? Why? Why is it that way, brother? I think it's a tool of the devil. I do. I think it's a tool of Satan. But you're, if you, my friend, are one that gets your kids involved in every traveling ball team and everything going and coming, that they can never be in church on the Lord's Day because you're always on the road and you're always at the next here, the next field, the next track, the next this, the next that. My friend, you're not addicted to ministry. You're addicted to the pleasures of this world. And you're giving a precedence to your children that it's okay to just forsake the assembly. It's okay when you get a little older. We'll start back, but right now, we're going to go to let you just do whatever. That's not good, my friends. An addict's passion changes. He starts feeling a, a hunger. Brother Ronnie starts feeling a, a passion down in his soul for reading that word. Mm -hmm. He can't get enough of the word of God. 
I mean, brother, we're doing this chronological Bible reading up at the church, and everybody's in there commenting, and, and they're just, I can't keep up with the comments. They're like, well, how in the world does this circumcision take place, and what's going on here? And they're all in there, and I'm like, I'm trying to get ready for a message tonight. But you know what, Brother Steve? It tickles my heart. You know why? Because they are addicted right. to ministry. Amen. That excites this pastor's heart. Their passions have changed. They want to read the Word of God. They want to study. They want to come to mind, soul, and body when we get down there with the young people. They want to do the devotion. They want to hear the devotion. They want to be a part of what's going on around the house of God. A few people, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, you're not going to preach it anymore. You're not going to teach it anymore. You're not going to tell it anymore. What did Jeremiah say? He said, I can't stop. He said, I'm addicted to ministry in the word of God. It's like a burning fire that is shut up in my bones. I cannot stop. That's what he said. I summarized that, but that's what he said. He said, I can't quit because that word was shut up in me. Nehemiah, through opposition, through extortion, through every trick of the devil, whenever those would come by and say, come down off the wall. Brother Steve, what did they do? They stayed on the wall with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, and they fought, and they laid brick, and so built be the wall because the people had a mind to work. He said, I can't come down. Come on down here. And let's reason this thing out. Nehemiah said, I can't. I'm addicted to work. I'm addicted to ministry. I cannot come down here. John, whenever he's boiled in oil and sent to Patmos, they said, we're going to kill you, John. John said, hey, I'm over here for the word of God. I'm over here for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day while on that aisle called Patmos. He said, I can't shut up. He said, I'm addicted to ministry. God used him to write the book of Revelation. That's amazing to me. If he had been on a crowded street in Rome or he had been maybe on the backside of Jerusalem in a prison cell somewhere, I don't know that God could have got him to that place to see those heavenly visions. After John chapter, or he wrote chapter number four, verse number one, and after this, man, it gets good. John saw some things. He saw the four and 20 elders and he saw that throne with the sardine stone, the green emerald around the, the, the rainbow around the throne. And he saw some things. John said, I can't quit. Others in the Bible. Peter said, you can crucify me upside down. He said, you can do whatever you want to. But he said, I can't quit. I can't quit. You said, well, he was out there warming himself by the enemy's fire. But God got a hold of him. God can get a hold of you, my friend. He can get a hold of me. He can get a hold of us. Paul said, oh, I've been in perils of the deep. Paul said, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been in perils of my own country. I'm in perils of robbers. I've been, I've, been, I've been all kinds of things, but Paul said, I can't quit. Paul said, I have fought the fight. And I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He said, not to me only, but to all them that would love his appearing. You can't quit, my friend. Get plugged into ministry. Get plugged into this thing. Get addicted. If you're from the house of Stephanus, then follow the works of Stephanus. If you're a part of Calvary down here, Calvary South, Calvary North, whatever you are, get plugged into this thing. Get addicted to what's going on down here. You need to get addicted to what's going on down here. 
Let all things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren. You know the house of Stephanus and the first fruits of Achaia. That they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. You've heard it said that you're either helping or you're hurting. You're gathering, you're scattering. We're there. We're in the Bible. Let me just ask you, where are you at in that? Where are you at in this? Where are you at in the scheme of things going on down here? Where are you at in ministry, in visitation, in love, in prayer, in worship? You say, well, they've never really assigned me a part. Do you have to have an assignment? Do you have to have that assignment to be able to get involved? Does somebody have to come to you and actually pop a cork? prod you, pry you to get you involved. The Bible said that they had addicted, attached, devoted, compelled themselves to the ministry of the saints. And then that next verse, that you submit yourselves unto such, that you submit yourselves unto such, You remember the book of James, chapter 4, verse number 7? We all like to say that verse. Just resist the devil, he flew from you. If you leave off the first part of that verse, Brother Brandon, the last part of that verse is going to be very difficult. You said, Do you, what are you talking about, preacher? I'll, I'll take you there really quickly. The Bible says this. Submit yourselves therefore. Here's what it says. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Then the latter part of that is resist the devil and he will flee from you. You will not be able to get from an addiction of carnality to addiction of spirituality by just resisting the devil. You can't go that route. It's like trying to get to Boone without going up 421 or you're trying to get somewhere that you're not on the road that leads you there. You're not that strong, neither am I that strong to be able to just resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The Bible says to submit therefore, I've already lost my place again, submit therefore, submit yourselves therefore to God and then resist the devil and he will flee from you. You can't go from the addictions of carnality, fleshly desires, to an addiction of spiritual matters without going by the cross. Won't work for you. Brother Brandon, I don't know how you're going to close this out, but I'm, I'm done. I want you to come up, and maybe if the pianist would just start, Miss Tammy, are you the pianist? If you'll just, whoever's playing tonight, just start playing something very softly. Because I want to implore you on a couple different things tonight. <clears throat> I want somebody to stop working against. You said, who are you hitting at tonight? I don't know. I want you to stop working against the work of God. You said, I'm not working against God. A preacher that plows and he drops that long gospel plow, <clears throat> he knows Rodney if he's hot, hit a stump. You done any plowing? You hit a big rock or you hit a stump or something, it just about jerks you out of the tractor seat. Yep. Once in a while, when the preachers are preaching, he knows that he's hit a stump. I want somebody tonight to get addicted to ministry, to stop hindering, stop hindering, stop 
being an obstacle to what God's doing here. You said, they're not even in the building, preacher. They're watching my live stream tonight. They know they're a hindrance. They know they're an obstacle to what God is trying to accomplish here. This, this, my friends, is nothing short of amazing. This work, this facility, that facility, the works that God is doing right here, it's nothing short of amazing. You're talking from somebody that's come from out of the area to this area. I've not been here in three or four years. I preached the last time over there. It's growing. <clears throat> Had a TV show years ago. My daughter experienced them. Brother Steve, you ever heard of growing pains? The body grows and our daughter had terrible leg pains. I don't know what it was. They were terrible leg pain. They're just growing pains. You will have growing pains. We will have growing pains. There will be obstacles to ministry. There will be hindrances. There will be those times that, man, you just want to take this towel and just throw it in. But I beg you tonight, if you, my friend, are here and you are one that is addicted to something other than the ministry that's going on here, get that fixed tonight. As we stand all over the house of God tonight, I want to go back and I want to give you that definition again. It is a strong inclination. It's a strong desire. It's a strong inclination that becomes chronic. Physiologically, psychologically, that becomes habit forming. Could that not also be spiritually? Does your pastor call you on Wednesday and say, Brother, it's Wednesday night, don't forget, you be prayed up tonight. You've got the choir, be prayed up, get the right songs. He doesn't have to remind Brandon, he doesn't have to do that. Does he send out a phone tree? Y'all got the phone tree here? Everybody got a phone tree? Hello, good afternoon, Calvary Baptist Church. This is your pastor, Brother Pope. Just calling to remind you that it is Wednesday and we do have service tonight. He doesn't do that. Why does he have to do that, Brother Rodney? Hopefully it's because you're addicted to ministry. You have a strong proclivity. You have a strong desire, a strong inclination by definition to be here. Why? Because you can't get this at Walmart. Can't get this where you can't get this at your workplace. You don't get this at the school. You don't get this in the places of the world. You said you opened up with Shema in a pea patch. And you're concluding with being addicted to ministry. I just need somebody to stand in the field. I need some, one person by the name of Shema. He was one man standing in the midst of a lentil field guarding his pea patch. Just one man. Do you remember whenever David was selected and chosen by God to go and take on the Goliath? Everybody else was fleeing. He walked right into the midst of it, Brother Brandon. He said, you got that big old sword. You got that big old shield. He said, but I got something else. He said, I'm coming in the name of the Lord. One man, just one man made a difference. That was David. Tonight I ask you, are you addicted to ministry? 
Do you have that strong inclination to be here when the services are going on? Do you have that strong desire to contribute while you are here? Or are you just one that's come as you are, leave as you came, hope nothing happened, nothing gets out of the banks? I hope that we never get to that lackadaisical spirit of worship. You said, preacher, every service that we come to is not going to be one of those that gets out of the banks. Every time we come, it's not going to be one of those that preacher Pope gets to go on the internet and say, wow, what a wonderful service. Wow, what a wonderful time in the Lord's house. I think you would do that if you come in here and everybody just wept. If everybody, if there was no loud mouth, big mouth preacher from Wilkes County up here spitting and stuttering and stammering, if there was no bluegrass music or no choir singing, if everybody just came in tonight, Brother Brandon, and found them a place across this altar and just wept. Do you know what that man of God would do? He'd get right on there tomorrow on the countdown to courage. He would say, bless God, let me tell you what happened. He's not gonna go in there and talk about the preaching. He's not gonna go in there and talk about being addicted to ministry. You know what he's gonna get? He said, wow, you won't believe what God did. As a lot of people did business with God. He's gonna see the bright side of whatever that that is. You know why he's going to see that? Because he's addicted to ministry. Let us pray our Heavenly Father. Lord, as we close out yet the New Year's revival here at Calvary Baptist Church. Lord, as those in the house of Stephanus were addicted to the ministry of the saints, Lord, I do pray that somebody here at Calvary, Lord, would get addicted to the ministry here at this place. Lord, that whenever the work's about to be done, oh God, that they'll be the one to step up and say, Lord, let me do it. Even as Isaiah was called and said, here am I, Lord, send me. Lord, let there be somebody here tonight that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Lord, let somebody fix the fence. Lord, let somebody keep out the wolves. Lord, let somebody minister to those that do come. Lord, help us each one to get addicted to ministry. Lord, I thank you for what you've done and I do praise you, Lord, for what that you're about to do in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Heads tonight, and uh, wow, what a message, what a message. Hey, Calvary, let's just do business. Let's just do business with the Lord tonight. You're here tonight, God stirred your heart. Why don't you just step out? Why don't you just step out right now, tiptoe down to this altar, and say, Lord, tonight, I just want you to addict me to the ministry. Just addict me to the work of God. How about it tonight? Would you do that on this last night of revival? Just, would you be that shame up? That one that says, Lord, use me to make a difference. Lord, use me to influence some lives. Use me to be a blessing in that ministry. Use me to win my family to Christ this year. Lord, use me to let my light shine. I love it. Addicted, addicted. Lord, help me to be serious about the work of God. You say, Pastor, if we do what Pastor Hall preached tonight, people are gonna call us a fanatic. That's all right. I'm, I'm happy to be called a fanatic for Jesus. Would you come tonight? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this evening, maybe there's somebody here this evening says, okay, listen closely now. Somebody says, Preacher, number one, 
If I died tonight, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I'm gonna ask our, our personal workers if they'll just be sure they find their way to the altar here tonight. You're here tonight, you say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I don't know for sure that heaven is my home. Listen, right this very moment, if God's dealing with your heart and you say, Brother Pope, I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven right now. Would you just slip out? Would you slip out right now, make your way to this altar and come to the Lord tonight? Would you do that? Don't wait. You say, Pastor, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Lord willing, Sunday, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it right Sunday. I'm gonna get saved Sunday. Hey friend, we, not, we may not make it till Sunday. Would you come right now, preacher? I need to be saved. Would you come? Or you're here tonight. You say, Pastor, I have an addiction, but it's definitely not an addiction to the ministry. And maybe some know about it. Maybe nobody knows about it. But I've got an addiction of some kind, and I want God to break that chain. Hey, listen, if you'll come tonight, we'll pray with you. We won't, we won't knock you down. I'll promise you we won't. We won't talk about you. We won't look down on you. But we'd love to pray with you and believe God to give you victory in that area. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? That's right. Come on. That's right. Come on. Come on tonight. That's right. Come on. We're just going to keep our heads bowed for just a little bit. Preacher, I've got something going on in my life, and it's definitely not ministry. I've got some type of a stronghold in my life. I just can't seem to kick it. I just, preacher, I've tried. I'm sort of embarrassed about it. I don't want it there. Hey, friend, listen to me. We're not down on you. Good night, were it not for the grace of God, we'd be in the exact same place. You know what we believe at Calvary Baptist Church? We believe we're a spiritual hospital here. That's all we minister to, sick people. We're all sinners saved by grace. You're here tonight, you say, preacher, I've got something in my life that's trying to control me and I need victory, I need victory. Hey, if you'll come, we'll pray with you tonight. Will you come, will you come? Father, I'm grateful for what you're doing. I'm grateful for what you've done all this week. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would, that you would work in all those who came, those that are still in the altars tonight. And Spirit of God, I pray that you would do that work that only you can. Brother Hall preached his heart out tonight, but you know, there's only, there's only so much that preachers can do. Lord, we just preach, we don't change lives. But I'm glad I know a God who can. And so Holy Spirit, I pray tonight that you would do what we cannot. I pray you'd save the lost, I pray you'd break the chains. God, it could be there's somebody here tonight and, and Lord, their stronghold is the stronghold of depression. There may be somebody here tonight, their stronghold is the stronghold of discouragement. 
God, it could be there's somebody here tonight, their stronghold, it's the stronghold of bitterness. But tonight, Lord, you'd break that. God, tonight, you'd take that off of them. Lord, I pray you'd do it. In Jesus' name, I pray you'd do it. Lord, those that are lost, I pray you'd save them tonight. And then, Father, I pray you'd help us all to addict ourselves to the ministry. Have your way. Have your way, please, Lord. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can you just do this tonight, folks? Can we just pray while folks are getting help? But it could be the Lord is extending this invitation out for just one more. So if you're here tonight, you still need to come. There's still time, still time. Would you come?